Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Trek to Shop Faith FM 87.6, or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with the double L team, Lyle and... Lawson! Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Oh, well, let's see. Let's see what I did yesterday. I went to the dentist. Yes. I gave my friend an air fryer for their birthday. Yes. I quit my job. Yes. I... Started a new job? Well, not yet. Uh, watched the end dot digital uh, last night. Yes, and I had prayer meeting, and I ate dumplings. That's a, that's an epic day. So it was right a there. pretty pretty epic day. Yeah, I mean, a, a day with a visit to the dentist in it. How can that be a bad day? Uh, it was actually good. I, I needed to. I needed to. I've got a wisdom tooth coming through at the moment, and they're able to to hook me up with the good. So okay. I'm not. Uh, I'm not dying. But at the same time, um, yeah, God is good. So you're very wisdomous at the moment, then? Oh no! See, it hasn't come all the way through yet. Okay, so I'm not so you're like, still lacking. I got wisdom. three through, so I'm pretty wise. Yes, but there's still one that's like coming through. That's the problem. Is that you know, as as my wisdom grows. Um, I'm being humbled at the same time. Great pain. <laughs> yeah, so, <yeah>. so, <laughs> yeah. um, but also, like as well, I've mentioned there, quitting my job. I'm looking forward to a great future endeavors, which I'll talk about soon. Ah, that's awesome, and I'm super excited about your future as well. <laughs> okay, so things that I'm thankful for this morning. Let me start. Where should I? St- I'll start with the fact that when I walked out the door this morning, it was like 15 degrees. Wow. Did you notice that? It was. I'm it was not wearing warm. a jumper. I, it's like Lawson's turned up in a t-shirt. It's t-shirt weather. I oh yeah. in the middle of winter. I was driving to work, and I saw the sunrise. No, nice. The days are getting longer. Mm-hmm. Life is getting better. Uh, <laughs> life is always getting better when the days are getting longer. Uh, I'm so thankful for the end dot digital. You know, yeah, for Sharissa and myself, mm-hmm. we are blessed to be able to share the gospel with people. You know, mm-hmm. on a nightly basis, and we're back on again this evening. So that's great. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Let's have some positively different news this morning. Okay. Oh, Lyle. It's happening. (laughs) (laughs) It's always happening. Dude, there is so much news coming out lately of, like, cool new inventions. Like, and, and not just, like, you know, tacky, like... Oh, I'm an inventor. I did something cool. Like, actually, like, legitimately world-helping things. Uh, the- okay, did you get my email I sent you this morning? No. No, you didn't, did you? No. Yeah, it's all about funnel web spiders. Oh, that's that's freaky as. What did uh-huh, they do? Uh-huh. Positively different news. Okay. We should save that story. Maybe do we'll, it on Monday. We'll, co- we'll cover it on Monday. But, wait, check this out. The new, you, the University of Newcastle, which, shout out, we're in Newcastle, we... we uh, go Newcastle. I go to a church at the University of Newcastle. I'm going to be working soon, doing some work at the uni- University of Newcastle as well. Um, the University of Newcastle have invented and are now putting into production with the help of, you know, pharmaceutical companies and whatnot, pain-free saliva-based diabetes tests following a $6.3 million, uh, million dollars in funding, uh, which will establish the first manufacturing facility for the device. So you don't prick your finger anymore? Nope. You just spit? Yep. Well, you just put this thing on your tongue, pull it out, turns a color or scan it or something, and bam. Now, is this to test how much insulin you need to take or whether or not you have diabetes? Um, no, it's it's an insulin test. So this, okay, is, all right. this so, isn't like, this isn't because you can tell whether you have diabetes or not through a blood test. Yes. Um, which is like, fair enough. You probably should do blood work when you're getting diagnosed with diabetes. Something like, you know, one of the 
three top killers. Yeah. No, but this is the like the um, the insulin test, yes. which n- up until this point has like for the last however long has been you prick y- your finger and then put it on a strip and then put it in a device and it checks how much like glucose. Like glucose you, need is- to, you need to inject this much or that much. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Yep. Whereas this is no more pricks. Just put this- it on your tongue. Wham! Like. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Put in the device. Go, go University bada of bing, Newcastle. Bada boom, yeah. Um, oh, it's really cool. University of Newcastle physicist and research leader, Professor Paul uh, Dastor. I love That's an epic name. Yeah, they reckon it's going to be on the production line by 2023. Um, and this is going to have just incredible use. There are 450 million people in our world living with diabetes. Like, that is, oh, if I do think, if we have 7 billion people, half of, this is like 1 14th, basically, of people in the world. It's a huge number of people live with diabetes. Um, and it's just awesome that an invention coming out of our city um, is going to help, like, the world. This is going to be a worldwide thing. This is going to change, like, di- the, the experience of people with diabetes. It's going to be just awesome. Praise the Lord for these guys. I'm like, that's so cool. Um, but, yeah, essentially, like, works similarly to how, like, taking blood works, that, you know, you put it on the strip um, and... You know, put it in the device, tells you what to do. It's really, really awesome. It's about like it's similar to the size of like chewing gum, and but just really, really thin. You just chuck it on there, butter bink, butter boom. You and know. it's all done. That's fantastic That's stuff. So good. That is. All right. Also in mm. the news, in mm. terms of cool inventions, this was actually like an invention that was invented by someone, well, like younger than me, younger than you, and is like going to again. Like, has so much application and is going to do amazing things. Basically, this invention was put on Kickstarter with a goal of $10,000. And that was raised within half a day. And thoroughly exceeded. Okay, so $10,000 doesn't seem to be like a lot of money to launch a new invention. Yeah. But this was just to get the prototype off the ground. Even still, that's not a lot of money. And and and, but basically, it's been blown out of the water, and this has now got government interest. Yes, because check this and, out. And a kid invented it. A kid invented it. So we basically, know it's a kid because he said it's younger than you, and you're a kid. Yeah, but well, I'm 22. <laughs> this kid is like 17 years old. Oh, He's really? A year 11 seriously, student. Seriously, um, still from a child. the United States. He was living in New Jersey, moved to California, and recognized the big problem that they have in California and in Australia um, of wildfires. And he's like, "What can yes. I do about this?" Yes. And he has invented a self-deploying fire extinguisher. So what, when it gets hot, it just explodes and spreads water everywhere? Uh, yeah, well, fire retarded. Basically, it senses heat and explodes. Like, there is nothing comparable to this on the so market. So if we, if we then put one at the bottom of each tree, we don't, we'll don't. we never have fires again. Yeah, well, not well. this is the thing. It's, you can put it at the bottom of each tree. <laughs> but imagine... Immunise the country against so, fires. So this is the point that they were making. Like, like, you know, fires, particularly in California, wildfire destroys like seven and a half million people acres in the last like three years like a massive problem um and the thing about this is that like you could make a barrier around your house of automatically you know exploding fire retardant systems they're actually calling it face uh which is an acronym for i think it says fire something something i had it before me i'll find it in a second but basically it gets hot and then it sprays like you know over five or six feet around it like fire retardant all over the place so you can make a perimeter around your home that once it gets hot 
it can just like it's gonna it's gonna create a fire break basically. Which uh, this is a really really important invention because one of the problems that we've found is that once fires reach the suburbs, it becomes very challenging to fight mm. them because you know particularly if you're one of these people who's like I'm going to stay and defend. Mm. Uh, the challenge is that how do you defend when water pressure vanishes? Yes. And that's the big issue that we've had whenever fire has reached the suburbs, water pressure vanishes. And, you know, the only thing that's actually going to save you at that particular time is tanks, swimming pools, and pumps. Yeah, 100%. And a lot of places, of course, don't have tanks, swimming pools, or pumps. And so fire comes, you're in deep trouble. You are. And this Whereas is, you could do this. You could do this. And, it, and, and it's it, just like lock your doors, leave, evacuate. Yeah. And it creates that break. It will surround your house. You know, like say, it, depending on how like much area you have, you could put like five, six. And this is the this is the thing about this invention, is that it will retail for a hundred and twenty dollars. Oh, really? And because this is this guy, this is this guy's invention. He's like, I'm gonna do what I want with. Like fire extinguishers are expensive as. Yes, I was thinking. I was thinking an investment of you know like fifteen, twenty thousand dollars to protect your home, but. And this is the thing. It's like people put like in like sprinkler systems and sprinkler systems, which can cost thousands and thousands. And it's of only dollars. going to work while you have water pressure. Yes. And if you if you need to evacuate and the water pressure drops and you can't start a pump or you don't have a pump or a tank or anything mm. like that, what are you going to do? Yeah. But this this is where this invention comes in, and it can, you can just surround your house in it. It's going to cost one hundred and twenty dollars for each canister. And further than that, um, the inventor of this. Arul Matha has decided to donate all of the proceeds to the firefighters in California. Oh, come on. That's just... This guy Because this has the, the potential man. to make literally him a billionaire. Yes. You know, at those kind of costs, that kind of technology, that's just amazing. Uh, that's epic. Amazing. So really, really cool stuff uh, in the world of invention. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so this is an interesting story coming out of Haiti, a Christian pastor by the name of yeah, wow. Christian Emmanuel Sanon. <laughs> uh, he was born in Haiti, uh, immigrated to the United States in the early 1970s. He's 62 years old, mm. and he's been arrested in Haiti as a prime suspect in the case of the assassination of the president of Haiti. And so you kind of wonder... How did that happen? It's interesting because... 60-year-old pastor. Because we were saying that he was taken out by like a, a team of mercenaries. Yes, and this guy is definitely not a mercenary. Not a mercenary. Not even close. So what do they think he did? Okay, so here's what happened. They they raided a neighbourhood uh-huh. that was right beside pretty much the, uh, they're saying, a stone's throw from the uh, presidential residence. Mm. And in one of these buildings, which is called the International Medical Village. Mm-hmm. Right, so that's what's called. They found a stash of ammunition. They found holsters for rifles and pistols. They found twenty-four unused targets. They found a DEA cap. They found oh. four license plates uh, for um, you know Haitian license plates and all of this kind of incriminating evidence. And of course, one of the people that was there in this particular complex, because it's a it's a building complex, was this Haitian pastor and. He'd arrived in Haiti in June. Mm. And here's one of the other problems because from those that they have arrested and been able to interrogate, apparently the plan never was to assassinate the president. It was always to uh, capture the president and take him out of the country. 
and, you know, bring about regime change. And they're saying, well, you know, that's not an unreasonable thing for a Christian pastor to be involved in. You know, because he's like, I'm a Christian pastor. Why would I be involved in an assassination? And, of course, he's also asking, you know, if I'd have known that this stuff was in the building, why would I still be here? Mm. You know, that's kind of the... He's trying the, to, like, do plausible deniability, but then at the same well, time... Who knows? Yeah, wow. Well. Because, I mean, this is the International uh, Medical Village, and he's you know obviously gone there to uh, do aid work in Haiti, which is what Christians do. Mm. And, you know, it could have been you, it could have been myself... We could have gone there and just simply never known that there was anything like that in the building mm. and that there were people in the building that were involved. You know, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to follow this case, see what happens, and also interesting to see what the pub test has to say about it. Because when they said initially, like, oh, you know, they found some ammunition and holsters, I was like, yeah, fair enough, you're in Haiti. But then it's like a DEA calf, and it's like, yes. oh, the disguise of the uh-huh, people who assassinated uh-huh, him. Uh-huh. you got to think as well, like, the reason this happened is because you've got a president ruling by decree and not allowing lecture- elections to go forward in a democratic yes, country. That's right. And so you could have somebody who's, you know, lived in America for most of his life as a Christian pastor and so supports democracy and is like, yeah, it's a good idea to... Uh, capture the guy and bring about regime change for you know political reasons for mm. political motivations. Yeah, yikes! That's crazy. Mm, this is a very dodgy one. I guess. Anyway. Oh, I really want to cover this into the future. Now that it's watch got, this space. Now that it's got this aspect to it, is you know what's the the spiritual justifications of kidnapping? All right, the European Union has passed a law that states that employers have the right to ban people from wearing religious symbols. Interesting law for most of us, you know, Christians and so forth. Uh, this is not a religious requirement, and so it doesn't really matter. You know, mm. we're not, you and I are not required to wear a uh, a necklace with a cross on it or mm. a badge with the three angels on it or anything like that. That's not a that's not a requirement. Um, you know, and, and Jewish people are not required to wear a you know star a, a necklace necklace yeah. with the star of David, and so it's not a, a requirement, and so it's not an act. It's not an issue of um, conscience. Yeah or religious liberty. But the question that goes through my mind is, what about headscarves? Mm. Because amongst Islamic people, that amongst some versions of Islam, that's actually a moral requirement. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, of their and, and part of their worship. Yeah, amongst the the traditional values of Islam, like yeah, yeah your yep. kind of mainline guys, that's heavy. That is. And, of course, this was a case that was brought to the uh, European Union by two women. Uh, one was a special needs carer and the other one was a sales assistant cashier uh, who had been banned by their employer from wearing headscarves. And they're like, well, this is actually a part of our faith. Mm. This is this is us. This For us, this is an act of worship and this is a religious liberty issue. And the European Union has turned around and said, well, actually, no, uh, employers can ban you from doing that. Mm. Now, I I think there could be an argument in cases of safety, you know, because I've worked in workshops where you know you're not allowed to wear a wedding ring in the workshop because you yeah. get your fingers torn off. Yeah, um, and some people see that as a moral issue. You you know, a headscarf in a machine shop might not be a great idea, but when you're a special needs carer or an assistant. Um, sales assistant, I just don't see how that's going to be a problem. Mm. Okay, so restrictions on religious liberty. If we do not stand up for the religious liberty of people not of our faith, we will lose the religious liberty of our faith. Mm. Finally, in the Amazon, they have noted over the last 10 years that the Amazon is emitting 20% more CO2 than what it is absorbing. 
that's a little bit scary. It's omitting. Yes. And this, of course, is being driven primarily by 17% deforestation of the Amazon. Oh, That's yeah. a big chunk. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that deforestation is being turned into beef cattle. Mm. And the way they've been able to measure this, because in the past they had no way of doing it, is by flying over it. Uh, once a day and taking measurements from a very high altitude. Mm. And they've noticed that, yeah, some of the some parts of the Amazon are on par, same amount coming out as what is going in, but uh, the large part of it is out of balance and it's actually, rather than being a, a CO2 sink, it's becoming one of the world's biggest CO2 producers. And, of course, the Amazon is one of very few places in the world that is seen as as a tipping point location, Mm. uh, that we could go past a tipping point, which then becomes irreversible. Yeah. And the world will spiral into destruction as a result of that. Very, very controversial subject, this one. I'm just going to read what the Bible says. And we read this on the N.Digital a couple of nights ago. It says... Uh, just before Jesus comes back, that on the earth there will be distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, for looking on those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the atmosphere will be shaken. Mm. If we are expecting this to be fulfilled, we should be expecting that there's go- the powers of the atmosphere are going to be shaken. We should expect to see that. Destruction of the atmosphere in our time. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Absolutely, indeed. All right, so give us a call now. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from our listeners. But uh, this particular time, we're going to head over to Luke Ferrugia from Oz Table Talk. And we talk to Luke once a month. Uh, Luke, I think you're on Daddy Duty this morning. Is that right? Yes, I am, but they're having breakfast, so I've got some freedom. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. Great way to keep the kids quiet, put food in their mouths. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Luke, what, are we, what have we been talking about on Oz Table Talk? And, of course, Oz Table Talk is, uh, is, is that whole situation where, you know, you've got a bunch of young guys that like to record those conversations that they have kind of on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon after church, just discussing the big issues in the world. What are the big issues for this last month? Well, uh, this, this month we actually had a four-part series, so it's, so it's kind of like all one one big topic. But uh, a year or almost two years ago, actually, we did a series which was called uh, Three Things the Church Got Wrong. And so we just had a bit of a vulnerable look at, at, at times where the church, our church, well, obviously we have experience with our own church, not others, but we were looking like in the big picture things that we didn't quite sit right with. And this time we, we flipped the tables and we're looking at it the other way and we, we had a look at four things the church got right. Well, what are some things where we, that could have gone wrong but actually went right? And so that's the, that was the topic for the last month. Okay, so I have a question. Mm. Which one of the two was easier? Four things the church got wrong or third, four things the church got right? <laughs> Good question. I think as humans it's always easier to find what's wrong. Um, but what we found when we started trying to decide what the topics should be for, for if it's what the church got right, we actually found that we got a lot more right than what you would expect. Yeah, that's good news. And I think that's often how we respond as human beings, you know, glass half full, glass half empty. And so often we, yeah. you know, default to the glass half empty and we need to live more thankful lives. Yes. 
Yes, and that makes a massive difference to how we view things. You know, I know many people who have had bad experiences with the church and many people who have had good experiences with church, and often they haven't really had different uh, experiences that are that different from each other. It's just how they view and and this is an important point too because I don't think that there is anybody out there who has not had a bad experience with the church. Yeah, of course, because there's people there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. there are human beings. All right, so four things the church got right. Where do we start talking about these? Okay, so we decided to start with the identity of our church and the origin because obviously, as, as I mentioned, or, you know, every church has its own origin story and reason for being, and, and there's all those different stories. And we can only really comment on what we've been exposed to. So for us, we spoke about our own particular denomination, and we dug into the roots of that, where our identity comes from. We sort of split up even the name of the church. We, we looked at the, the background around being Adventist and what does that actually mean. We were talking about the importance of living our lives and uh, with the understanding that Jesus is coming back and the good news that that is. And so we, uh, yeah, we basically, as I said, just delve into the history around how God set up our our denomination, our, our movement. Now, this is a, a subject. I mean, you know, obviously, uh, Faith FM is sponsored by the Seventh Day Adventist Church, and you guys are Seventh Day Adventists. But I think it would be very interesting for people of all faiths to actually tune and have a listen to something like this, because you know, it's always good to learn about the history and. And, and the backstory behind you know somebody's faith where their where their particular church has come from, um, what were some of the things that you sort of discovered there? I mean, were there were there new ideas that you discovered as you researched and put this together, and and talked about it together? Yeah, well, as we talked about it, probably one of the one of the things that really stood out, especially for me as I was listening through, even though I. I a lot of it is information that I've been exposed to before. Discussing it in in this way sort of really just brought out the, that uh, our identity is unique, uh, and that even though I believe all Christians have the uh, what's we're looking for, all Christians have the Great Commission. God has called us all. You know, it doesn't matter where you're from. He, he has called everybody. But the fact that our church has a, a, a special part in it to play through the end of, of Earth's history it doesn't make us any more special. This is probably one of the key takeaways. It doesn't make us more special or more important than anybody else that professes Christianity. It just means that God gave a, a message to be given, and we happen to receive that message to give it to others. It's not an exclusive message. It's very much a... Uh, a message to be shared, not something to be constrained and, and held and, and put under a box. Yeah, fantastic. All right, so there's, you, you've got some um, – you, you, this is a four-part yes. series, and you look yes. at the origin story of um, of our mm-hmm. church, which is great. Um, yeah. Can't really – well, you could do the origin story of other churches, but it wouldn't be really fair, would it? And that's right. Even in the, even in the episode, we actually could put the, the quiet for any of our – our listeners, you know, if, if they have a story from the origins of their denomination that they would like to share, that we would love to hear it. So, you know, it's something that I think there's uh, things to be learned from. So, yeah, you're always keen to hear those origin stories. But as I think you're alluding to, there, there, there's more to it, right? Part two. Yeah, yeah. Before we get to part two, you just um, you just prompted me to ask something that I'd really like to know. You asked, mm. uh, asked your listeners to share their the, the origin stories of their churches. If they do that, is there opportunity for that to be um, shared on the Oz Table Talk podcast as well? It may be. We are always looking for um, different ways to approach information and theology. And so uh, as an example, uh, like if someone were to, or, or people were to come forward and share those stories, uh, it wouldn't be the first time we've taken those, those uh, listener contributions and made episodes around them to discuss the ideas that are in those. So, yes, that does happen. 
That would actually be really interesting, is because uh, you're you're four young guys. If you had four four young guy four four other young guys from you know from the local area that uh, you know mm. from different uh, denominations, different faith backgrounds, uh, you could come on and have maybe eight young guys, and you could sit and mm. uh, and do some do some uh, you know sharing of ideas. It would make for an interesting. Mm. Uh, podcast right there. All right. Mm, um, all right. Actually, something that's on our list to do at some point. So that 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 is something we actually need to do. Yeah. Wow. So if you're listening in this morning and uh, you're in uh, where are you guys? Bundaberg or somewhere, isn't it? Yeah, Bundaberg. That's right. If you're in the Bundaberg area or somewhere near there, and you're a young guy that goes to church and would like to share, you know, the origin story of your of your faith of your denomination. Uh, get in contact with Oz Table Talk. Um, they, they'd love to. Uh, they'd love to talk to you. Okay. Next issue. What was the next big one that you talked about? Okay. So the next one is theology. So um, obviously, uh, our church is. is uh, you could say theology heavy. We, we believe a lot of, uh, well, we believe the Bible is inspired, and so we spend a lot of time studying that and learning from it. And so we talked about the some of the unique theological contributions that our church has made. We, we talked about the what we would term the pillars of our faith, right? We talked about the sanctuary and how that influences our message. We talked about the, the second coming. We talked about the, the Sabbath and how that changes our lives and what that looks like in our lives. Uh, and uh, so we, we the, the, what we believe about what happens when people die, those sort of things that are somewhat unique, or at least certainly in combination, unique to uh, to our theology. We, we discussed that, so that was also a very good. Episode. And, and I think these are subjects that are really important because they impact how we view God and how we mm. view the character of God. Yes, yes, and that was another uh, another key there. I, I, of course, the character of God, but above that, right, the great controversy, what we understand to be happening as like the great meta narrative of history, right? Like, well, what's happening behind the scenes and why bad things happen to good people? All of those things are wrapped up in these points of theology or points of belief, the items that we believe. What you believe about God influences all of that, and that will also then influence how you relate to others, how you relate to each other. Mm-hmm. Interesting, very interesting stuff. All right, uh, the part one, part two, now part three. Where are we up to? Part three, we we called true education. What we what we mean by that, and where the episode actually went, was uh, the fact that our our church focuses on the whole individual. It's not just spirituality. It's spirituality, but it's also physical health. It's, it's mental health. It's it's emotional health. It's, it's every part of the human being is cared for or has, we have interest in. We don't, we don't uh, discourage any part of the human experience. We, we, try, we seek to lift people up in every possible way. True education is something that is actually a passion of mine. Um, and, you know, I'm so glad that you decided to choose this to- topic to talk about because it's not something that is often spoken about. But I think we need to remember with true education that really the purpose of true education is redemption. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's a beautiful thing, and I think uh, for people like myself who have um, not had a lot of experience outside of this particular denomination, it's somewhat expected. And uh, I, I guess it's so it's easy to be blind to the benefits that come from that. But I think it is something that you know I think that is remarkably unique. And even though some uh, other uh, other organizations are catching on to this idea and looking after, you know, multiple facets of the, of the human being, 
uh, it is something that is a, a new thing that we've been doing for, you know, a couple hundred years almost. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We've had that one yeah. for a very, very long time. The thing I love about it too is, you know, when you, when you put, edu- when you put, uh, of course, redemption at the forefront of true education, you know, yeah. it, it means that, you know, the purpose of education is not just to be good at reading, writing and arithmetic, uh, for the next few years of your life. We've kind of failed if we are good at reading, writing, and arithmetic, but we don't get to use that for eternity. And so true education yeah. really is preparing for eternity. Yeah, yep, exactly right. So that actually kind of fits neatly into the last episode that we did as well, because the last episode, uh, we sort of uh, we, we took an element out of true education that we thought was too big for that particular episode and, and pushed it into the last episode so it could have space all to itself. And that was health because... You know, uh, yep, I was going to ask about that one because when you talked about the distinctives in the first one, I'm like, why didn't they talk about health? But here it comes, whole episode all of its own. Yes, yes, yes. We, we, we wanted some space around that. So um, one of the guys that we have come to the table, like we've, we've got we've got three or four of us that are there every single time. But we've also got a bit of a rotating roster of, of friends of ours who when they've got something that they can deliver that is, uh, you know, specific to a topic, you know, we get them to the table as well. And in this particular case, being health, a friend of ours is a doctor and uh, he is really passionate about health and uh, he he was very keen to be a part of this one, so um, he he was definitely there for this conversation. We had some excellent uh, excellent discussion around this and how our church has this this health message, and you know, our health is is inextricably linked. You you can't separate it from our our spirituality because if we don't have our physical health, you know you can't you can't do ministry. You can't you know be you can't be all that you can be, and that's really the message. You know, God wants us to live the abundant life, and even though there are things that happen that uh, sometimes are beyond our control with our health, you know, we, people may have cancer, people may have accidents, but overall, as a people, if we look after our health, that will multiply the impact that we can have and also increase our own fulfillment and our own enjoyment of life. And so, um, yeah, it's a part of looking after the whole person. This sounds like a really interesting podcast uh, to listen to. I'm I'm super keen to hear it myself. And uh, I also just want to put it out there again because I like this idea of being able to share with other people of other faith backgrounds and and uh, and you know hear the hear you know their contribution of their of their faith, what it has, you know what it, what it brings to the table so to speak. And um and you know how God has used it in in the past because God has certainly used uh many different um you know, people and movements down through history to accomplish his work. Luke, uh, yeah. how do we interact with Oz Table Talk? All the information is on our website, oztabletalk.com.au or wherever podcasts are. Fantastic. Luke Ferrugia, thank you so much for joining us here on The Breakfast Show this morning. That was Luke Ferrugia from Oz Table Talk. Make sure that you head across there, check out their podcast. They have some amazing conversations together. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.